following presentation was recorded live by the Jewish Ethics Institute. Everyone, it's good to be back. I missed you guys. Dad, have noodles? It's professional sports um, and, and amateur. Professional and amateur. I left out the amateur. The question is the legal issues that are involved. Um, are there many legal issues? But we're going to discuss it from the mostly from the halakhic perspective. The question is: Is it a job for a nice Jewish boy um, to be involved in to to play sports that technically could endanger your life? Okay. Um, I mean, look at Kevin Durant. Nice Jewish boy, right? He's a Jewish boy. I don't know if he's a nice no, but Jewish he's boy. He's in danger. Oh. All right. Okay. So that's what we're going to talk about. So might, I started right, here. So the question here, if you look inside, is does playing? We need we need does playing professional football? Bridget, Bridget, we need you, we need you to keep the keep the people calm at the that end. That's your job. Okay. Does playing professional football or tackle football in general violate the prohibition against self endangerment? As we're going to talk about, there is a, a problem of endangering your life. So that's the question. Um, boxing, it's not only relevant to football, obviously to boxing, to other things. Does tackle football violate the prohibition against wounding oneself? Well, how many people have died in professional football? Look at the, look at the is, line at the front. Very little. Look at the, uh, you have a statistic? No look one at died. the picture in the front of the page. Well, but they those don't look like Jewish names, so I would say Jewish people are impervious to brain injury. Rabbi, it's more current to talk about the girl. I can't change the topic once we register with the state. So I can't change the topic because then we can. I'm an ethics organization. Okay, n number three. So this is the quote. If you look here, researchers have identified the brain disease chronic traumatic. Pronounce this word for us? Encephalopathy. CTE and a high number of deceased NFL players. More research has linked CTE to repetitive subconcussive blows to the head. And there's actually, um, when you're dealing with college football, <coughs> those of who have kids playing, uh, I mean, sorry, high school football. David, for those of us who have kids playing high school football, so there's, there's the American Pediatric Association actually came out with a report, uh, I think, two years ago, discussing how um, you should not allow your kids to play. Uh, tackle football until they're older um, and the bones are formed. There's, they have a bunch of recommendations as to uh, what has to be changed in high school football, etc. So you look that up online. But, I mean, this happens to be an awesome video someone sent me, just happened to get it yesterday. And someone sent me this sign in. We've got a pass around. I have my pen. Someone stole my pen. Just like mine. Easy. So, uh, <laughs> luckily, Rabbi's always had a pen in every pack. I like this pen. Can I have it? So, uh, so this video happened to get this yesterday in my email. It's a video of a uh, wrestler. He's Israeli. As you'll see, he's a very interesting fellow. He wins this match. This is not taking place in Israel. It's, it's from Israeli TV, so you hear Hebrew. But the actual uh, match, you know, I don't know which country is taking place in, but it's very cool. So I hope uh, you can eat in the dark. Right. 
content. something you should be thanking God for if it's halakhically is there, is it permitted to even play the sport okay, meaning again, it clearly seems to me that sport is pretty dangerous okay, so the question is is it even permitted to play to, to play that so what? 
No question. You mean, could you, you're putting yourself in danger. This guy is making himself this great religious guy, but can right. you even play? When you get married, you put yourself in danger. <laughs> right. So is the question for well, I'd say when, when you drive to work, you put yourself in danger. Harming someone else. That's both. We're going to see. It's both. Does it matter? Does the harming something else, does it matter if he's Jewish or not Jewish? No, it's, it's prohibited to harm anyone. Yeah. Jewish or not Jewish. It's called assumption of risk. Right? All right, so, so, that's, so that's the question here. So there, the first thing to understand is that there's, so there, there is a very clear prohibition um, of, of, well, first, let's start the other way. There's a clear obligation to safeguard your health, okay? Um, that means we as Jews, we it's obligatory, it's based on the verse in the Torah, which I quote here in 1a, um, which says, take heed and watch yourself very carefully. Um, in Hebrew, it says, Mishmartem shall heed you, literally the word means your soul, but you understand that to mean actually your soul, your body, it's all one. Um, and the Torah is telling you to guard your health, even though if you look in the context there, it's not, it's not clear that's the simple interpretation of the verse. But the Talmud brings actually a story with a Roman governor, um, who, who that's how he interpreted it, and the Talmud seems to accept that interpretation of the verse. So the question would be, so meaning anytime you're doing anything dangerous, what's meant? You're serving us fried chicken. This is how we safeguard one health. What do you mean It's fried chicken, right, Rabbi? That's why I have both. I have both. You mean you don't go down and have a cigarette with him after two? <laughs> so, so the issue is here. So, so clearly, doing anything with would endanger your life. It's very, it's very clear in Allah and it's codified within Jewish law that it's prohibited. Okay. But the question not, is, the, I think the rabbis made an exception as long as he donates part of his proceeds to the rabbis. Maybe then we'll talk about that after class. Then. Wait. So here, I, I have a question. A so is there a difference between playing football today than 25 years ago? Because if there, if you don't know it's as dangerous as it is, because you know it's a lot more dangerous today perception well, than it was 25 years What's, ago. Listen, smoking is the same thing. 30, you know, uh, 50 years ago, they didn't know that smoking. They thought it was actually good for you, right? So, so, so it's a good question. I mean, obviously, you have to know it's dangerous. If you don't know. It's like anything. But once you, once so something is clear, yes. Well, I mean, well, we have to define to danger. Yeah. What's the acceptable well, risk? You know risk? You should be able to eat. I mean, you could, you could go to the bathroom and have a, a stroke. The world is always changing. It's not the bathroom that causes stroke. But well, no, I mean, no, no, I'm like saying everything. True. Today, that's going to be the question. We'll talk about that. Everything is dangerous. Barbecues, like we're saying, fried chicken. So, how do you define danger? That's a good question. We need to define danger, but. Quote on whatever danger, whatever the definition of danger is, the Torah tells you that it's prohibited to place yourself in a situation as that can endanger your life. Like okay, that's beyond the norm now, how do we define people. danger? That's a good question. So the, the devil's advocate define. of me says, okay, what about the, the Jews that are living on the West Side? That's a very good question. Um, I actually saw that, so we'll talk about that. So we're going to talk about that. It's a but good by, your, point. by your definition, we shouldn't visit Israel because you put yourself in danger. Mm, Found in Southwest is a lot more dangerous. Yeah, but, but it's still, but it's still, it's still, you shouldn't acknowledge that you're a Jew because someone could kill you. Well, but, Wait, so these, but, yeah. but from one of our medical CMEs, yeah. it, it relates to the, the risk benefit ratio and, and also. To the, to the speculative nature of what's going to happen down the road as opposed to just an immediate 
obvious 100% risk. Yes, yes. So, so let's take for, for now, let's take the simplest case, which is something that's 100%, that everyone agrees is dangerous. So let's say, for example, let's say cigarette smoking. Um, I think today, um, at least in Western society, everyone agrees that, that, it, that it's dangerous to, to smoke. You don't agree? Well, that is dangerous. Not Are you saying something that I'm is potentially? I'm marijuana. I'm marijuana. Right. I'm marijuana. So that's, 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 that, is, that is dangerous because of the obvious uh, medical things. A fight is potentially dangerous. If you walk in and you... Fight, you mean like a professional fight? Professional fight is potentially, but not cigarettes. You smoked okay. a cigarette, black and white. You smoked a cigarette, you did the bet. You step well, in the ring for a fight. Smokes. My father smoked two packs a day since he's 14, and he lived the ripe old age. He never was sick a day in his life. All right. <laughs> when the medical so you can reason your way out of all of it. Medical so risk is, so that well, I was saying a fight. group of people, not on an individual. And that's one of the problems with medical risk and with medical treatment. So if everyone at this table smoked a cigarette for their entire life, it's not to say that everyone would get cancer. You're right. So, but I think that med, let's, the reason why I'm taking smoking is because everyone agrees smoking is dangerous as opposed to, let's say, bungee jumping. Right up, you know, people might think it's dangerous, but it's really not. I mean, probably the, you have less chance getting killed bungee jumping than driving on the 610, right, percentage-wise, if you look at the numbers-wise. So, you know, if danger is based on numbers, um, many things that we think are dangerous probably are not dangerous. Many things that we don't think are dangerous are probably more dangerous. So, but the point being is that uh, if something is a clear danger, and I'm taking cigarette smoke as an example, because everyone agrees Cigarette smoking is a clear danger to your life. It doesn't mean everyone dies who smokes cigarettes. Right? Um, um, not wearing a seatbelt is a clear danger. Because that doesn't mean if I don't wear my seatbelt, I'm going to die. I disagree with that. Okay. There's people that get thrown from the car that are better off than if they would have stayed in the car. That's <laughs> but haven't met no, that's not true. Uh, well, the numbers would indicate wearing a seatbelt is safer than not wearing a seatbelt. My, my brother works that's in the emergency widely, room. That's widely accepted. My brother went, is, when he went to medical school. better off to walk than ride a car. My brother's okay, a doctor who worked in a, in, a med in an emergency room. He said he never met a patient who, uh, who, who, uh, who wasn't buckled in in the emergency room. You know, it's meaning anyone who wasn't buckled in comes in DOA. No, they walked, they walked away. Fine. They didn't need to see you. <laughs> um, so the point is, so something that's a clear danger, everyone would agree fits under the guise that it would be prohibited to do that. As cigarette smoking. But that's a good example. We're going to talk about that. Um, meaning, it's only after, it's only today. Meaning, 30 years ago, or even right after the Surgeon General's report, it wasn't clear. It wasn't there wasn't a clear consensus on cigarette smoking, and therefore then it might have been permitted. But we'll, we'll, so we'll talk about what the range is. It's a very vague danger. Is a very vague word. Obviously, we say something is dangerous. Yeah, I mean, so mother's definition of what's dangerous and yours is very different. And it changes over time. Yes. Right. Like for instance, sure. like the, the, the numbers for hypertension have changed over time. In the last 20 years, the, the range of blood pressures that were considered normal have changed. And the same thing goes for sugar and diabetes. Yes, 100%. So we only can go with Coffee what day. current science tells us, what current medicine tells us. That's right. all. <laughs> Jewish law is always going to use... In other words, you can't rule on Jewish law. Any rabbi knows this. You can't rule unless you have the facts, the facts, the scientific facts. You can only make a ruling. So if someone comes to me and says, can I go budget jumping? So my obligation as a rabbi would be to, to look up, you know, look up the numbers and see what the risks are, like he's saying, the risks versus benefits, if there are any benefits of budget jumping, okay, and what they are. And so I can only rule after you know the facts. You're right. Science changes. Torah doesn't change. 
So the fact is the Torah is prohibiting doing any action which can endanger your life. Now, the science might change, and therefore today, what we think is, is dangerous, 20 years ago, I didn't think was dangerous. So then, so, but the Torah's law is the same. The Torah is eternal. Science is what changes. Okay? The Torah never changes. That's why Rabbi will always have a job. Science <laughs> research is there. So is this more specifically, is it say about sports or recreational activities, or no, is it just the any activity? not talking about it's sports. The we're talking about, about any activity. Any endangering your life in general. So you could, Whether you, it means, for example, you wouldn't have firemen? No, so it's a different life. question. So we're going to talk about if it's I mean, your job. Their jobs so that, that's a different a great question. Or, or military. Great question, yes. All of those are good, very good points. But as far as, we're not, we're not talking about sports here in general, we're talking any in the, any act it's dangerous like the Rambam in those days didn't have recreational sports or professional sports I mean they had gladiators I guess uh, yeah, I was going to say that, you know if they're basing this on gladiators ah, so that's a good point so we'll get there that's a very good point that's, a, that's an excellent point um, so 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 again I listed some examples skiing um, in my opinion skiing is dangerous um, unless you become unless you're at the level where you're a professional skier but until you got there so clearly you're putting your life in danger until you got to that level where Sonny you know Bono, what you're doing. Sonny Bono proved it's dangerous. Mm-hmm. Well, no, he proved that trees are strong. I thought the tree, <laughs> proved, the tree proved it was dangerous. I, I bet you he had some dramatic encephalopathy. <laughs> okay, smoking, but he had that before he went skiing. Um, smoking, bungee jumping, I put that but again, these are very vague, we have to know, obviously fried chicken. And today there's a study saying everything you do is dangerous, right, eating barbecue is dangerous. So the question is, again, how you define danger. So, but assuming once it's clearly defined that this is a dangerous action, then, uh, so let, let's pick something that's, let's say, more example, Russian roulette, okay. That's something that's, that's I think, we all would agree. So to play Russian roulette, according to Jewish law, would be a problem. We all agree on that? Yeah. So okay. there's an eight, so there's a seventeen percent chance there's eight, right, of even though, that. Right, there's eight bullets. Eight bullets. Only, right, so there's so a one in eight chance. You're right. only at like so twelve and a half percent. Well, well, that's because the results are death. Going skiing, the result is not death. Accidents can happen at any. Well, you're still no, your odds of dying your skiing are like less than one percent. Well, you could be less than twelve and a half percent. Even if you if you don't die. Pretty unusual. I mean, there. It's highly, highly unlikely. Okay. I mean, there have been some deaths from skiing. There's been deaths from childbirth. It's endangering your life to conceive right. a baby. Okay? Right. That's, I mean, there's always true. there's we higher risk about than skiing. That's okay. right. But I don't want to scare David. So what's the percentage then? So if you're looking at the game's so percentage, right. so using Russian roulette at a 12 and a half versus skiing, you're at half a percent. No, you're not. You're at. You couldn't even measure. So you, you what? How many people? Uh, 10 million people well, skiing a year and five so people die. Endanger your life numbers being injured. There's a difference. Yes. Injury. Well, injury. Saying a serious injury is considered a danger to your well, life. Serious in injury. Meaning, most meaning, ski accidents are not serious because it's your legs. Or yeah, your if you break a leg, that's what I'm saying. But serious. something serious that you can get infected, where where there's ramifications. Let's say bull riding is a little bit more serious. Right, the rodeo would be a excellent question. Also, can you? Can you, uh, you know, be a cowboy? So then, well, the rodeo would be too. Well, that's, we'll yeah. get there. That's, that's part of it. Okay? No Don't worry, no one's close. Oh, you mean, no one will get statistics for you. Oh, I thought you were waiting for you. That uh, too, actually. <laughs> 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 that too. What are you doing? You said, oh. I thought you were waiting for the wife to call you. I was like, yeah, you got to go home. Okay, go home. I'll tell you, I'll blame you on your rabbi. It's okay. Okay, so, uh, um, so this is the Rambam, Maimonides, and the Laws of Murder. Tuesday. Oh, you should call Alan. Go get it, David. Uh, I'm not, hey, maybe I don't want to be responsible. <laughs> hey, 
if it comes because I didn't have my phone. It's good. No, we don't want to be responsible. Many things, Saranam says in B, many things are prohibited by the sages because they are dangerous to life. Okay? So it says like this. Guys, guys, keep on. Keep on. How are you? Do you need lunch? Sit down. Sit down. You don't get the lucky chair. I feel like I want some crab apples. It's like an old hand. Go see so you can eat some lunch. Go sit there. Hey, that endangers. We're talking about that. Go see if you can eat. Ed's a really nice guy. I don't know about Alan. So it says, my body says like this, many things are prohibited by the sages because they are danger to life. One disregards to, sorry about the typo there, to be any of these and says, you know, this is my prerogative. I, I want to put myself in danger. How is that a concern to others? So this is a very important concept within Jewish law and Jewish law which is that the concept of feminism, right? not that we're against feminism, God forbid, we're very pro-feminism, of course, but we, the concept of feminist uh, credo, which is my, our bodies ourselves, that we own our bodies, whether you're male or female, or transsexual, doesn't make a difference, whatever gender you assign yourself to, um, we, you don't own your own body, okay? Um, that's my problem saying here. You can't say, listen, I have a right to, uh, to endanger my life, my body, I can do whatever I want with my body. No one has a right to tell me what I can do with my body. So who says with Rambam that's not true? We don't believe in that. Is this the same law as desecrating your body? Well, it's related, yes. But there's a separate one about like yes. tattooing and stuff. Yeah, even if it's not a danger, we're talking okay. about wounding your body. But the point is, you we don't own our bodies. They're, as Rush Limbaugh likes to say, um, they're on loan to us from God for our hundred, you know, whatever, 80, 120 years, however long we're on this earth. Okay, so we don't own our bodies. Therefore, we can't say, listen, it's my body. I can do whatever I want with it. When the Torah says, don't endanger your life, it's telling you it's not your body to decide what to do. Okay? Organ do donation. Hold it without You mean if it's threatening your life? No, no. Hey, my dad needs a kidney. Especially your dad. Would, would I be able to give him a kidney? So it's a whole different question. But you, if it's to save someone's life, yes, you can donate your organs pre-death or post-death. As long as you're not going to kill you can't endanger your life to save someone else's life. You can't donate your heart. Right. Donate a kidney. I have a kidney. kidney. Yes. Half? Oh, yeah. One, one of your kidneys. Exactly. One of so my eyes. So there's nothing organization to save a life is permitted. Okay, okay. Okay, once, either once you're dead, then there's, you know, you give, that's, so you're not endangering your life. Or when you're alive, in a way that's not going to endanger your life. So just taking out one kidney, the numbers are negligible. I mean, the chance of you getting, uh, someone getting kidney disease with one kidney and, not having the other kidney is very low. Acceptable so risk, it would Yes, exactly. It's a negligible risk. Are you allowed to leave your, you know, the driver's license, you can sign it for that? Do you people do that? So, so we, we, I think we discussed it. Oh, yeah, we did. So the point is that there's a, there's, if you want to donate your organs, there is a website I'll send you to. It's called HODES, Halachic Organ Donation Society. Where I, I'm a card carrying member. You, yeah, yeah, now I remember all that. Right, so you, you basically you put the number of your rabbi in the back of the card. Yeah. So if they so they can't take your organs until they consult your rabbi who, so you and tell them how to do it in the proper <laughs> way. Okay, so I get a piece I of it piece of the action. Um, What's good? The kidneys, the heart. How's it looking? So uh, so anyway, so that's so that's what the Maimani says, um, and this is codified in the Shulchan Aruch. <coughs> In the Code of Jewish Law, it says one should avoid all things which might lead to a danger because the danger to life is stricter than a prohibition. So the fascinating thing um, that, for example, 
let's say I'm cooking my kosher chicken soup and a little bit of pork falls in there. So the halacha is if it's 60th more kosher than non-kosher, you can eat it. It's good to know. It's a good rule to know. So meaning if there's a 60th more kosher food um, than the non-kosher food in the mixture, halacha is it's permitted to eat that. So let's say a drop of, of uh, pork falls into your chicken. That's not an example. It's a piece. Let's say a drop of milk falls into your chicken soup. So y- if it's just a, dr- if it's there's 60 more times chicken soup than milk, you can eat that. You Is can that eat by it. weight or by mass? By mass or by, by volume? Volume. <laughs> it's just liquid, right? Well, it's liquid. It gets mixed in. Right. right. So, so that's called bitter. So. But let's say let's say a a drop of bleach fell into your chicken soup. Okay. Even though there's 60 times more. Halachically, he's saying you can't eat it because we're stricter about danger. Just to show you how serious we care about your life, Judaism is stricter. Jewish law is stricter. We're more strict about danger than about prohibitions. Okay, if it's a prohibition, 60 is more. It's fine. It's okay. The rabbi says it's okay. But if it's if there's if a little bit, if there's a even one sixty chance of danger to your life, we won't allow it. Okay, becomes prohibited. Pork and beans would be okay. Well, as long as you take the pork out. Which brand? Depends which bread to 60 more beans. But I was wondering at the chili kosher cook-off thing the other day that there were a lot of rabbis coming in and sampling all the different uh, chilies. And while we would assume that all the chilies are kosher, I, I don't know if they had a machine in every So it's yeah. funny you bring it up. First of all, they check all the ingredients coming in. That's the way it works. You can't bring in all your dry ingredients. They, they have to bring them before they're checked. Uh, and the meat is provided by the chili cook-off, which is all kosher. Uh, but, okay. funny you bring it up, because we had this case. Um, a guy, the rabbi at the chili cook-off, texted me during the thing, a picture of a jar of garlic that didn't have any certification. It was roasted garlic, didn't have any certification, and someone had already put it into their chili. Somehow it got in there, and they put it into their chili. They wanted to know what should you do. So, it turns out that the because of this rule that it we're talking about, no. So it had, the problem is if it's pieces, it, it needs to be like that's why I picked the liquid. Liquid, so liquid gets blended in, so you can't see it. But if you can, if it doesn't dissolve, then you can't pull out the pieces. So then you can't you then potentially might pull out right. You could straighten it out, so it doesn't. But in this case, what happened was he had used eleven jars of kosher garlic, and then this one that didn't have any certification. So then, it, again, it got, it's, we, we assume that since it's 11 to 1, and the piece of garlic, it's no problem. So we allowed it, we permitted it. <laughs> in case you have the chili cook. They weren't, they weren't taken out of the contest? Yeah, but there's such a thing as unkosher garlic. It's two to one, so then... They weren't taken uh, out of the contest. Maybe we should have a rebote on the... 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 Oh, cry me a river. Did that count for a recount? Did that chili win? I don't know. I don't know which chili. I don't think the Russians were against you. Okay. Wait, so the 160 is... 1.3% is the margin. 160th is bittle, but not when it comes to danger. That's the point. 160th. Yes. Okay, now, so so now... Um, now uh, let's discuss... This is a dumb question, but... There are no dumb it, questions. If it's, if it's a small volume, but it's still less than a kazaya, does that count? Does it make a difference? Okay. One, yeah. Um, it's, no, it actually might. It actually might, depending on the case, but we're getting off there. Okay. It's a good question. So that's the volume size, like of, the size of an olive. 
Oh, no. I don't know. He bring up Kaziah. I never heard the word before. That was Alan. Okay. Volume greater than less than the size of an owl. Kaziah is not considered eating so what? Okay. It's less than an olive, Alan. Less than an olive. No, no, like on the. I don't think I know if it's any so many. Alan, right? You don't want to come? Okay. So now we're going to. So let's talk about some of the exceptions to danger. Okay. Exceptions to prohibition against self endangerment. So, number the number one exception that the Talmud mentions is a fascinating concept. It's called, based on a verse in Psalms from King David. It says like this King David said in Psalms. It's a verse in Psalms 116. It says, God guards the foolhearted. Okay? So, so the Talmud says, what's that referring to? Meaning that things that are normal part of everyday living in society, they're accepted by society. Even though there's a danger involved, for example, driving on the 610 or driving in Houston, period. That's what I put that as an example. Um, anyone who's driven here knows that this is a dangerous place to drive. Try driving right? in Montreal. <laughs> okay, it's almost as bad as Florida. Um, right, so, so people here, they're, there's, they're not aware there's this major technology that was invented where you, like this thing on the side of your steering wheel, you put it, you push it, and it actually notifies the driver you're changing lanes. Amazing technology that's in these cars in the last couple of, in the last 50 years. People in Houston are not aware of that. So, so the question of driving on the 610 is clearly, uh, it's dangerous, no question. The chances of you, as, as you mentioned before, getting hurt in a ski accident are a lot lower numbers than you getting killed on the 610, without question. Okay? So the question is, so how can I go to work? How can I drive, how can I drive on the 610? Right? So, so this is the concept that's used. The concept is God, things that are accepted by society, even though there's inherent danger in them, such as driving or, or other examples, flying a plane, Football. whatever it is. What? Football. Um, well, oh, I'm not sure, yeah, maybe. Okay, so, so then there's no prohibition. It's because we have to live our lives. We live our lives as normal human beings. So the things that are part of our everyday lives, except by society, is, is, is automatically, we can't, we don't prohibit that. Okay, that's called Pshom Apsam Hashem. Which, by the way, um, when the initial question of cigarette smoking was addressed halakhically in the 50s, before the Surgeon General report, it was asked. This the question was asked to Moshe Feinstein, and he permitted. He said, he said, since it's something that's normally done by society in those days, it was normal to smoke. Everybody, you know, a good percentage of society smoked. So therefore, it fits under the guise of Shabbat Shalom. God guards the foolhardy. So even though there was, they were starting to realize there's some danger in smoking at the time. He said it's permitted based on this principle. Um, once you came, once a certain general's report came out, they asked him again. He still said at that point society was still doing it on um, large numbers. Um, today, I think every every uh, halachic decisive in the world will tell you that it's prohibited as a Jew to smoke cigarettes and marijuana. That's, that's okay. Marijuana might be fine, um, but, but cigarettes. Shomer pitaim peti peti means a fool. Pitaim is plural for fools. Pitaim Hashem. Okay, Shoma Pitei Mashem means God guards the foolhardy. Okay, so 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 again, something that's that's normal in society. So then we don't prohibit that. That's not prohibited because that's part of everyday life. Um, okay, so so that's so so really it would depend on the society you're living in. Again, today in America, like we're saying in Western society, very small percentage smoke. So therefore, you don't you wouldn't be able to put it on the under that principle. 
if you go to other countries in the Middle East or wherever where people still, you still have high numbers of people smoking, maybe it still fits under that guy. But, but I think today, almost everyone would agree smoking would be prohibited based on this. Okay, so that's one thing. And, and this is where it gets into the question of defining risk. So I, I quoted here, it says, Tweedledere, uh, this is from a contemporary uh, ethicist slash rabbi who discusses this, levels of risk. He says there are three levels of risk. Number one is there are activities that are clearly dangerous without any redeeming merit. As I put down an example, Russian roulette. So Russian roulette is not a question. There's no, even if you live in a society where a lot of people, where everyone's playing Russian roulette, it's still prohibited. It's clearly a, a, an act of self-endangerment. You're putting your life in danger. There's no question about it. There's, and there's no redeeming merit. You can't say, well, this is my job, or I got to get to work, or this is, uh, right, it's, there's nothing, there's nothing, yeah. <laughs> it's not helping anyone in any which way. Um, okay. Number two, the second level of risk is what we call activities that are not viewed as dangerous, but possible danger in the course of action. So, so like we said, I believe um, my example would be driving in Houston. Okay, we don't view that as dangerous, even though it really is. Driving on the 610 without question is dangerous. But we don't, as a society, we don't, you know, we don't tell you, tell your wife, don't drive on the 610. You know, avoid, avoid the highway. You don't do it. Okay, or your, or your kids. Your teenage kids, depending on what age. Um, but, but the point is you don't tell them not to do that. Even though, because we view that as non-dangerous. <coughs> even though it really is dangerous. Numbers-wise, there's more of a risk doing that than probably Car accident getting... or a bodily injury from car accident? Oh. Is that based off the 160th rule? Yeah. That if you're under one point, the 160th. No, nothing to do with 160th. <laughs> say, what I'm saying is society doesn't view that even as an act of danger, even though it really is. The numbers are dangerous. If you look at the numbers, the chances of dying in a car accident are much higher than chances of, of getting lung cancer or getting uh, or dying in a ski accident. Without question, but no one views that as dangerous. Right? No one views driving driving as dangerous, even though you, again it, is, it really is. Okay, number three, the, the third category of risk is activities which some view as dangerous and others do not. Okay, let's say let's say skiing would be an example maybe of that. So that's where maybe this concept of God guards foolhardy comes in. Okay. This came up with the 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 the, the Cessna planes, the single engine or whatever the small right. planes, where the pilots are arguing that they, you know, that, that you have a greater chance of getting killed in a car accident than by Cessna. I guess it doesn't it doesn't fit with 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 the law because what's the benefit of driving your own plane as opposed to taking yeah, well, there are benefits, yeah, I'm saying there are benefits to that, I mean, it's, it's you don't have to wait a line at TSA, you don't get patted down at TSA, you know. I mean, you do it, I guess, but not time just, is running uh, but, uh, you can have a beer while you're playing out, you know, in the cooler because there are benefits to, to private jets, okay <laughs> I can't attest to them, but um, the, the point is like this, so, so which, under which of these categories would you put <laughs> professional sports? That's really the question. Which of these three categories of risk would you say, let's say, play, you know... Professional or uh, high sports, school level sports? Sports where you could get out where you can get a concussion, whether it's wrestling, um, you know, uh, football, tackle football, so at any level. What was the main sport 2,000 years ago? I don't know if there was one. Gladiators, they would put you in with the line. Were you either a gladiator or not? Like, it was like yeah, all I don't think there was another app. Well, so, so there are, you know, a lot of benefits to playing football, for instance. Yeah, well, besides making millions of dollars. 
Well, no, but also, let, let's say that people can't afford to go to college. They could potentially get a college scholarship, which would facilitate it. Which actually prevents them from going to jail and getting murdered because they're going to... So it's less risky playing football than actually... Bridget, Bridget, what did you keep in college? I'm sorry. Curling is curling a dangerous sport, I was joking. Yeah. Die so what do you so what so which would which guy what would you say of uh, these three categories? I don't know. I mean, are we talking about direct benefits or indirect benefits? So yeah, I mean, yeah, I mean no, no, but then in the risk, the pros versus in the, the in the level of risk. So 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 I, I you know it, potentially depending on the individual, that one individual it may be uh, more of a benefit in terms of the risk benefit assessment. Play football another we, we so far really haven't mentioned about the risk benefits. Passing we did, but th th these three categories of danger are, are irrelevant to risk benefit assessment. There, there are three levels of danger. Say wrestling lad is clearly dangerous. Say my point of view. Say sports in general. Each sports different. The sports fit football is a lot more physical than baseball. No, as I'm talking about, I, I said while you're talking. Score. No, I said I said while you're talking that that we're talking about sports that are dangerous and you can get a concussion. Okay. Baseball, I mean, right? Well, very know, yeah, people, get people, people, people get hurt. the baseball injuries; they're just different. They, no, you got but Josh no one dies. No one dies. Batters get hit. And get no the one's been right hit here. in a football collision and died. These guys had mental damage and whatever. Yeah, you could argue okay. any number of reasons why they died. Okay, good point. Well, the I, bullet. The so bullet was brains out. That was football or the bullet. I think the answer lies in how do you assess what's acceptable to society, um, and 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 what is written in the Torah that. So the gladiators were okay because it was acceptable back then. No, no, no. They were slaves. That if you're doing something that uh, that is uh, that is acceptable in society, then you're at a different risk than if you're doing something that's not and that's well, not saying a different risk. We're saying it's permitted. If it's something that's okay, the norm in society, so you're right. West, I'll tell you, when I was in yeshiva, it wasn't me. Actually, my brother told me a story. He was in yeshiva in Israel. If someone doesn't, it's not part of the culture of sports. Like they're clueless about. That. I mean, that, so my brother was explaining to some Haredi guy, his study partner in yeshiva in Israel, who'd never left. Mayor Shaim in his life, like he was explaining them a game of basketball, and the guy just couldn't get it. He said, mm -hmm. like, why would someone want to sit there, like, bouncing balls, trying to get it in the whole life? <laughs> he just couldn't get the whole concept. I mean, if you're not part of the sports culture, it's very hard. I mean, yeah. like, why would someone want to do it? I went like, to this orthodox place where they had basketball goals with no nets or hoops set up. They just put the ball against the back of them and got down the court. <laughs> <laughs> so, so, that's I, a good I, point. I, I would say those wrong. people are dangerous to society. That could be. That's yeah, a separate yeah, class. No that's a different yeah. class we'll talk about. So the point is that I'm just going to throw something else into the mix, which that's is also true. the question of, as we discussed this in the past, relevant to different issues, yeah. relevant to cheating, but, but it's relevant to this topic also, which is a steroid issue. And in most professional sports, <coughs> the players are taking steroids, which also endanger their life to some extent. So the question is, if that's part of the culture in sports, but what's your when you're taking steroids, so is that a problem also? I don't think anyone's died. Oh, yeah. but it could be yeah, endangered, yeah, could yeah. endanger your life. Well, there's yeah. certainly been some chronic plegics. But once you're professional, because of, but not because of the drug, because becomes of the, because different because you're getting paid. So that's, so your that's your the next part. Well, that, well, that's the next That's what I'm saying. Yeah, but that's not because my punch taking the steroids, not because of the act of punching. Right, so steroids is a whole part of the same question because today, I believe, part of being a professional sports player is steroids, or even in high school sports today. Why would you say that? Most of those guys are not on steroids. Well, they, though they had it with the world's strongest man competition, they said, do you test for steroids in the world's strongest men? And they said, well, if we tested for steroids, we couldn't call it the world's strongest man, <coughs> could we? 
<laughs> that, that's the, we gave that class about steroids, not as far as danger, as far as cheating. Is that considered cheating? Stealing, whatever. So that's just part of the mix here. So, this, so the second exception, so again, exception number one is this thing if something's accepted by society, and we have to define that. That's obviously needs to be defined. Um, and I'm not sure how to plug in professional sports into this. But the next, the next issue is there's a fascinating uh, piece of Talmud which discusses the issue of earning a living. So many professions inherently, as someone mentioned before, you mentioned, I think, being a cop, being a rabbi, um, you know, a fireman, they're all, they're dangerous to your health. Okay, so, so there are professions which are inherently dangerous. So, uh, so as a nice, or a secret service guy. Okay, so as a, as a nice Jewish boy, that's the question that guy we saw in the video. Can you do something, a, earn a living through something which inherently the job in, has potential danger within the job itself? Okay, so, so there's a Gemara that says like this, the Talmud, Talmud's here, and we're number B here on, this, on the sheet, it says, it quotes a verse in Genesis, in Dvarim, which says, for, the, for it he risks his life, okay? And the Talmud says that verse is referring to a job. It says, why does he climb a tree to pick fruits? Okay, in those days, a dangerous job would be picking fruits off the top of a tree that's, that's 30 feet up, top of a palm tree that's swaying in the wind, picking the, picking the dates, uh, dates off, right? Or placing himself in mortal danger. It's, it's for his wages. The Talmud seems to imply that it's understood and they accept that that some jobs are inherently dangerous. Like you got football. It? it could be, if that's your job. So that's only if that would be only if it's professional. But if you're in high school football, it's not your job, then then there would be a difference. We'll get so that would be a problem. Um, okay, so so the point's good your David's good uh, your son's not it. Probably maybe now you can uh, get him off the team. I'll speak to you. I don't think you get it. So, 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 so one second, let, let me explain this, and then we'll have uh, the question. So the question is, so what we're saying is, the, the Talmud seems to be implying, and if you're making a living through something with, that's a dangerous career choice, that that seems to be okay for some reason. We don't know the reason yet. Okay, and this is actually discussed in a in a response written by the the interesting is very relevant to Texas. The question that was posed to the rabbi was about hunting. This is in 16th century Prague. Um, and I get this question a lot, being a rabbi in Texas. Um, uh, people have asked me, you know, their, their corporate, uh, you know, all the guys are going hunting, and that's part of the corporate uh, culture and the company he's in, and he's the CFO. Can he, can he go hunting with them um, or not? Allah, this, I've been asked with this question. Dick Cheney, it's an unreasonable Right, so risk. if you're going with Dick Cheney, yes. <laughs> so if you're going hunting with Dick Cheney, everyone would agree. It's prohibited. Right, but, the, but the issue is, um, in general, going hunting. So this was a question posed to the rabbi. So he says, how can an individual go hunting? He says, even though the Torah allows a poor individual to do this for his livelihood, similar to those who travel the high seas, sell their wares, which, would, which was dangerous in those days, probably still is. He says, but someone who's just going hunting for sports, he says, if your job is, you know, let's say you're a furrier, okay, um, and you're going to trap and you're going hunting to to get furs for your for your uh, for your business, so that would be permitted. But if you're going hunting just purely for sport, says the rabbi in this case, he says going just hunt, hunting for sport or just for leisure is prohibited, and he violates the dictum of you shall be very careful of yourselves. This this dictum of endangering your life, okay? Because the, again, depending on who you're hunting with and what you're using to hunt and what you're hunting, but he's assuming actually. That what's interesting, the concern here wasn't was no gun. You know, the concern here was the animal, you'll be attacked by animals, the wild animals, in this particular response. 
Sfonot is saying, if you know, you're taking a risk to make a living, that you're allowed to do. But if you're doing it just for leisure purposes, it's prohibited. Okay? So hunting birds would be okay, hunting bears, not so much. Basically. Well, two things. I mean, one is sort of uh, comedic interlude, or attempt at that, is that the, the, the hunting of the, of the foxes or the whatever for the furs, society doesn't judge that as being uh, terribly acceptable anymore. So potentially... In which society you live in, I don't know. Yeah. Yeah. The other, the other, the other Jew, old Jewish women are still it's still accepted. <laughs> well, they okay. have a but, fur uh, company. Family has a fur company, it's very acceptable. Right. So, 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 so the other thing is, um, it's just struck me when you, you were need talking... need it for strimals, by the way. That, that uh, uh, Jewish law is much more geared towards the individual and the society. And although these laws, uh, we would we would we would we would seemingly think that they they they're very specific. It's more how they're applied is really individualized. Well, true. That that is true. It's because a true statement saying, well, in general. But here, what we say that's here, what we say is there's an exception to the rule. The rule is you can't endanger your life. That's the general law. What we say is there are exceptions if you need for if that's if that's your job. <coughs> if your job entails if making a living entails endanger your life, then we might allow it. That's an exception to the rule. So it's not for each individual. You're right, we, but it is a true statement. Well, the laws are there. The and Jewish and law does look at each situation. individual case to make a decision. Well, what if we don't have a law about, like, Frank going out and, and shooting a bear? We have a law that people in general shouldn't shoot bears and accept, you know, in certain situations. And then You're saying in America, in Western right. culture. Yeah. No, I mean, right. I mean even, uh, even in Jewish law. I don't, I don't, it sounds like it's how the law is applied. You were allowed, to, if you needed bear skins to make a living, you <laughs> yeah. were allowed to go. Or even if, if you just kind of wanted to right, go shoot bears, that's a problem. Because, just because. because it's a, a fun thing to do on the weekend. Right, that's what I'm saying. So, what if my job is I'm the new evil Knievel and I'm supposed to jump 20 buses? And that's my job, I get paid for it, but. Okay, not safe, so, but that's what I do. I'll tell you, so so the the point so I did see some there are two opinions. I didn't put it on here on the sheet, but there are two opinions. Some say you're only allowed to do it if you have no other choice. You're only allowed to pick that career choice if there's no you, you can't make a living any other way. If you have a different career that's safe, then you have no right to choose that career. If you're stuck and all you can do is, is do wheelies on a motorcycle, then you might be allowed to do that. For your living. That's the point. Okay, so so that's what I did see some opinions say. Others seem to apply. No, it's inherent in many, many jobs, especially in, the, in those days. Most, you know, the concept of a desk job didn't exist, you know, a thousand years ago, right? So almost all your jobs were inherent that there's going to be some danger involved in your in your career choice in those days. So so I think it was just it had to be permitted. That's what we're saying. We, it's understood that to make a living. Now now why? The question is, what's the philosophy behind? So I bring you two, two, may, uh, two maybe uh, reasons. One is, it's interesting, the language used, the original language when the Torah, and, 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 and when the Torah creates Adam and Eve, Adam has to go to work. Okay, first got to get a job. He had to get a job. So Torah says, God tells him, fill the earth and conquer it. Okay, the word, the Hebrew word for conquer is kavshua, to capture it. Okay, capture the, our job, and this is where the whole concept of tikkun olam comes from, our, our job is God didn't create a, a ready-made world. We have to actually 
we have to better our job is to make the world better. That's why it's farming. That you know, there's, there's no uh, food doesn't just grow on trees. You don't just pick it off. You have to Wait, grind the wheat and make the flour. Money doesn't grow on trees. No, no. no what I'm saying <laughs> is we have to make. Uh, you right. have to make it. To make it happen, you have to work the earth. It's all about bettering our job as humans is to embed the world. God didn't create a f complete world, a finished product. Our job is to embed it. So that's what it means to capture, which is the same word capture is obviously a military term, which just gets back to what Elliot was saying before, that just clearly as the Torah tells us to go to war, and obviously it's a mitzvah in many cases to, to fight a war. There are many wars that are obligatory wars, okay, to capture the land of Israel, etc. Those are obligatory wars. So clearly there's inherent danger in war, right? You're going to fight. There's inherent danger. It's understood. <coughs> As a soldier, there's a chance you're gonna die. Okay. Um, so the point being is that that uh, that that's allowed. Obviously, Torah's telling you, and we're not pacifists. There are times that war is is an, an obligation, and you're gonna risk your life in those situations. So the Torah is using the same language when it comes to careers. Interesting choice of words. The Torah uses it to conquer, which is a similar language to war. And um, Rabbi Salvechik points this out. He says, same word is used in war, that it's understood there's an inherent risk many times in, in your career. So if, whether you're a physician who's treating infectious diseases or whether uh, you, you know, you're a cop or you're a secret serviceman, okay, so you, there's inherent risk in your job. And like I said, rabbis have gotten a swing taken at me a few times um, as a rabbi because I said something a congregate doesn't like. Risk for some teachers in inner city schools. Yeah, we would like to hear that story. <laughs> Not for now. It was, it was during a divorce proceeding. The husband took a swing at me. But he missed, thank God. And, and, it, and I just ran. <laughs> <laughs> That's good. He couldn't swing that low. Uh, so, uh, um, so that's one, one maybe explanation. The other one is, is, it's interesting, the word, and this is my own uh, application, the word for money is actually the same word for blood in Hebrew. The word for money is the word damin. Okay, dam is what means blood. And that's the same word for wages. So he uses for wages. So you see again, there's no Judaism understands making a living is really about your life. You're saving your life. If I gotta, you know, I gotta feed my family. I gotta, you know, pay the pay the mortgage, pay the rent. So those are all things that are that are yeah, in order for you to live. Therefore, the word for the Hebrew in Hebrew, it's very important to notice. General, though, they're not just uh, the words are not just uh, um, you know arbitrary words that we think that. They actually have meaning. So when the Torah picks a word, the Hebrew word usually is very much connected to the actual meaning of the word. It's not just an arbitrary word, like in English, right, chicken has nothing to do with chicken. The word chicken doesn't mean it just it's just an arbitrary you know symbol for that thing. In Hebrew, the word, the epitomology of the word is actually has something to do with that word. Okay, so what I'm saying is the word for wages is damim, which means blood. So meaning your life is dependent on your wages. There's a connection there. And therefore, you can risk your life to make a living because it's part of part of life. Okay, that's what I want to oh, propose. But I thought yes. oftentimes there's conflicting explanations for the, the meaning of specific words, like uh, based on the different commentaries. Like yeah, sometimes you could have. Rashi yeah, or yeah, you could have an argument of what it is. Part of Judaism, who is arguing is that a part of So, how do we know what to follow, though, if we have these, like, scholars from. Oh, yeah. It's a different question. <laughs> it's a whole different issue. But I said, we're out of time, so I just want to finish off. Bottom line is, there's, there's another issue which we didn't get to address, which is there's also prohibition of mutilating your body, even if it's not endangering your life. So, let's say that's the issue with 
getting uh, we're not going to get the different body piercings here because it is lunchtime. But but uh, right, so some things that are even that they're not endangering your life per se, but they are mutilate mutilation of your body. That's also prohibited, meaning to wound someone, whether yourself or someone else. Again, it has to do with that you don't own your body, okay, and therefore you don't have a right to mutilate your body or to wound your body or someone else's body just bec- just because you like uh, you like this body. Could I be a tattoo artist? So I'm that's a problem. Tattoos is explicitly prohibited in the Torah. But for what, can I be a tattoo artist on non-Jews? For non-Jews, yeah, yeah. I don't think it's a problem. So it's okay to mutilate someone else. That's not mutilation, really. Maybe, maybe it is. I don't, I don't know. But uh, well, circumcision is definitely mutilation. That's true. But the Torah commands it. So <laughs> maybe we want to start like an so. organ farm in Brazil and like capture tourists or something. Would that be? We have to classify that. Um, so the point is like this. So just getting back to the bottom line, punchline, professional sports. So Ramosha Feinstein has a, a response him where he says, he was asked this question about, I think it was about boxing, mm-hmm. I believe. I'm not sure what the, what sport he was referring to, but he says like this. He says, professional athlete, so he permits it because of the same reason, because you're doing your job. That's you're getting paid to do it. Professional athlete, okay? Um, based on what we discussed, but he's, and he also says another thing, very relevant to the law and, and in our legal system too, in American law, which is, you're, this is you're signing up for the job. He says your opponents, let's say in professional football, so the guy can't sue you because you tackled him and, and he got a concussion, right? He signed up for the job. He knows that when he's playing on a football team, he is gonna get tackled and there's a chance he can get a concussion. Okay, therefore, he's saying, so the same would apply to Allah. He says, since the guy knows what he's signing up for, so even though I'm not allowed to hit you, okay, normally, I'm not allowed to wound you, but if, if this guy knows what he's getting into and he gives me permission to, to, to wound him, um, he says that's permitted. That is another response, and we'll just mention that, and we'll end with that, which is also, most of the discusses, let's say, plastic surgery, cosmetic surgery, which you might have mentioned that in the past. So he says it's also permitted, even though, Technically, you're mutilating your body. It's not for medical purpose. I just want to, you know, have bigger body parts, okay, or smaller body parts, whatever your, your preference is. And don't uh, don't tell me what it is. Um, so, so the the point is that 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 he says you're allowed to do that in certain situations. Why? Because you're not you're not it's not considered wounding because since your purpose is not. Um, he quotes the Ramam, actually, and that's the top quote. The Ramam says, prohibit to hit a man or woman in a contentious, mean-spirited manner. Meaning, when my goal is to hit the person, so that's when it's prohibited. My goal is to hit them and wound them. But if my goal is just, I have a different goal, is to make myself, I make my body prettier by wounding my body, so that's not called wounding. You don't define it, even though it's the same act. I'm drawing blood. Right? So, so the question is, and that's the last response here, can you apply that to professional sports also? My goal how do you view professional football? Is my goal to wound, to give the guy a concussion? No. My goal is to tackle him to, to win the game. Actually, a lot of those guys. Yeah. I'm not aiming. I'm not trying to give the guy a concussion. Maybe in wrestling and boxing maybe you could not. say you no, are. No, I mean, football, you're trying to hurt the person. Mm-hmm. Really? So the, but, but, yeah, but it's the, the best thing you can do. Well, the Torah prohibits it in either case. It's an explicit <laughs> prohibition, so it's going to be a problem anyway. So you didn't answer the question about the West Bank settlers. Oh, okay. So, so... I, I don't honestly. Again, the the goal it would be depend on the numbers. I can tell you, this is a long time ago, like 25 years ago. I was in Hebron for Shabbos, in Hebron, which is very dangerous. It's very funny. So we were sitting around the Shabbos table. We were very nervous with three shivas, and the guy 
tells us, stop telling us, an American guy, of course, living there, he says, safer here than anywhere else than going on the subway in New York. Less chance of you dying here in Hebron, living in Hebron, than in New York City going on the subway. And like, as he's speaking, his wife is like washing dishes at the sink, and all of a sudden we hear, we have a, like machine gun fire, <laughs> like literally. Wow. Right the so it's a good question, right? <laughs> which needs to be addressed. But uh, the, the argument there is it's sort of like a war. It has to do with, you know, it's for war, it's permitted to endanger your life. So they're viewing it as we're in a war, and settling the, the land, giving in to the Arabs and giving up land is, is just sort of you give, you're forfeiting the war. Okay. That's the way that, that's what they'll tell you. So I'm not sure I agree, but that's what they'll say. If you were able to go back in time, and then in 19... 25, 1930, you came across Hitler and shot him because you, based on some of the earlier, the early sort of evidence, it suggested that he was going on to this autocratic... So uh, you, can't, you can't kill someone now because of what they'll do in the future. You have to be violent something now. Um, if it's a war, that's different. A war is different. Can I kill a terrorist who's planning an attack? Can I kill a terrorist who's planning an attack? So that's war. War, of course, you can kill your enemy. So if the person's your enemy, you can kill them. So even, even if they happen, when, when Bush actually declared a state of war, that had a... You have to define war, but that's a good question. But uh, what I'm saying is war is a permission to kill your enemy, even if they haven't currently done something to endanger your life. But they're gunning their planning. It doesn't have to be a ticking time bomb scenario. Shalom.